Welcome to Mag Heroes, a podcast about magazines and the people who make them. I'm Dan Rowden. This episode's guest is Rosa Park, editor of Serial, one of the great indie success stories of recent years. In just over two years since issue one, Serial's print runs have increased by a factor of almost 20. With a huge online following and a publication that quietly but confidently transcends continents, cultures and now languages, Rosa and the Serial team have a lot in store for the year ahead. Listen on to find out more about the upcoming redesign, the genesis of Serial, and the importance of Rosa and the magazine's designer Rich visiting each place that's featured in the magazine. This episode is sponsored by newsstand.co.uk, the world's largest online news agent, selling over 3,500 different titles to customers the world over. The first magazine subscription website in Europe back in 1995, Newsstand continues to offer subscriptions and single issues of both mainstream and indie magazines, from Glamour to The Gentlewoman and Kinfolk to Men's Fitness. It's a level playing field for all magazines, large or small. Buy a custom subscription using Newsstand's unique service. Choose exactly how many issues you want for each magazine and pay only for what you order. It's brilliant and Newsstand ships out first class same day so you get your magazines extremely quickly. Set up your own subscriptions at newsstand.co.uk. Newsstand also powers the sales and fulfilment of major magazines like Serial, displaying and selling their magazines on the Newsstand website as well as taking care of sending out the magazines and data management. More information about Newsstand's services for publishers can be found at newsstand.co.uk slash publishers. Thank you to David Atkins and everyone over at Newsstand for sponsoring this episode of Mag Heroes. Now, on with the show. Enjoy. Hi, Rosa. How are you? I'm good, Dan. How are you? I'm, I'm perfect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I wanted to um, hear about uh, Serial and also uh, where you're taking it next. You've got some uh, uh, interesting things coming up with the magazine. But first, uh, could you explain where the idea of Serial came from and how you got it started? Sure. Um, the idea of Serial developed quite organically over time. Um, when we first came up with the concept of what the magazine would be, both Rich and I were working full-time jobs in Bath in England. I was working at a local magazine called Crumbs and Richard was working at a design agency nearby and we were already actually partnering a lot on a lot of different projects because I was writing and he was taking photos and designing. So we already kind of had a creative partnership in place and then by working together so much, I think we kind of this you know, would chat about what we wanted to do next. And that naturally kind of progressed to a conversation about starting a magazine together. And for me, um, I think it was random in that I had never thought that I would start my own magazine. But then actually, if you kind of think about it, it made complete sense because I've always loved magazines. And that's something that my parents can definitely vouch for since I was young. And I've had a great love for magazine editorial in particular. And then, you know, and as did Rich, and once we kind of got that conversation started, it ended up being, let's go for it. And as for the topic choice, you know, we started as a travel and food magazine, and then that kind of transitioned over time to travel and lifestyle. And we have refined that even further in the next issue with just travel and style, which is our new strap. And um, I think we let go of food in that we could still talk about it through travel but 
we didn't want to single it out. So we wanted, a, I guess, a broader scope to look at things. And then the lifestyle and style came in because it just became a natural part of our content. It goes hand in hand with travel most of the time. So I think the concept just came about because it was a pretty clear reflection of our interests and what we like to do. Yeah. Um, do you have a background in magazine making? I don't really. I mean, the only editorial experience I've ever had was like the nine months that I worked here in Bath um, prior to starting Serial. And Rich was working at an agency for a year. And um, before that, my background is in fashion and beauty marketing and his is in engineering. So we kind of come to the table with a very, very fresh perspective, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, did, was it challenging starting a magazine with kind of very little experience? Yeah, of course. I think anything that you start from scratch is a challenge, as it should be. But in certain ways, I've wondered, now that I'm looking back, if it maybe was easier because I had nothing to compare it to and I had no preconceived notions or expectations. So I think, you know, we went into it quite almost borderline naive like oh okay this is the you know magazine we're gonna make this is the idea it's gonna be great and I wasn't you know kind of afraid of what may happen or may not happen because I knew so little about the industry so I think actually that helped to yeah and I think I think that's mirrored across like a number of publications that have started recently is that people have just kind of gone with it and they've just kind of released the magazine without kind of worrying about what uh what the process is or yes. knowing about it beforehand yeah, exactly. Now I worry. Now that I've been doing this for two years, now I'm always worried and anxious. But, um, you know, the more you know, I think the more stressed out and cautious you become, that's very, very natural. So in a way, I'm grateful that I kind of came to this industry very, very with basic knowledge. And I have had to learn on the job. Um, you know, you have to do it. You have to do that. It's sink or swim. So I felt that every single day these past two years since starting Serial has been a bit like going to school for me. <laughs> is it is it getting easier or harder I think the, as you progress I think that obviously certain parts get easier just because you get used to doing certain things so you become accustomed to certain patterns but it definitely doesn't get easier overall because there's constantly constantly new challenges that you have to overcome as you're growing as a company so you know it's always a nice mix of frustrations challenges and happiness and satisfaction rolled into one <laughs> uh, and you've uh, you you guys have been managing some crazy growth uh in the two years that sierra has been going like how what was the first print run for issue one my first print run with cereal was 1500 copies <laughs> and can you tell us what issue nine will be yeah yeah of course issue nine will be at about twenty seven thousand. yeah so quite quite a big uh yeah it's been it's been a nice growth for us um i mean of course when you make a magazine you want people to read it right that's the number one goal yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and of course it's not i mean I, I try not to be so fixated with the numbers because at the end of the day my main focus is creating the best content that we can but it would be foolish to not acknowledge that it is of great importance how many people are actually reading your magazine and how many people you're reaching so I have been very very focused on making sure that we are growing at the rate that I would want us to 
And it's not always about fast growth. I think there is something to be wary of growing too quickly. So it's just striking that balance. I mean, I, I still don't know. I'm still kind of working on it. And it's a lot of trial and error. And I've tried so many different ways of distribution that works for us as a title specifically. But it is definitely one of the most challenging parts of what we do. Yeah, um, I've always wondered how magazines kind of match demand with um, print runs. Is it is it something that obviously you can look at uh, previous issues and how well they sell, but each issue has different content and it might, especially with serial going around the world in different um, cities and different issues. Is it like, how do you go about kind of predicting how many issues um, copies to print? We have been very fortunate that we pretty much almost sell out of every issue. Um, but that's because that's not just chance, actually. That's because we calculate how much to print per issue. We don't... Right. I mean, we are not in a position where we can print, you know, 100,000 and it, it would be okay if we only had 50% sell-through because the way that our company is structured financially, we couldn't actually handle that kind of, for lack of a better word, wastage in magazines that, are, that end up getting pulped or that are just sitting in a warehouse. So because we have been fortunate enough to kind of almost sell through, if not sell through our print runs, when we do the next print run, we have a pretty good indication of how much we should print because we're in you know conversation with our stockists directly. We're also in conversations with the various distribution companies that we work with. So we have a pretty good inkling of how much we should be printing, you know, at least a month prior to production time. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned earlier about the switch of focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was is it issue five, maybe. Yes, good memory. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, where where did that change come from? Was it just kind of the natural evolving uh, of the magazine? Yeah, it was a very, very natural process. I mean, we started as travel and food, as I mentioned earlier. Um, When we started, that felt right. But as the year progressed and we got to volume four, I had a conversation internally with my team. And, you know, I said we can always talk about food through travel. I mean, if anything, one of the greatest highlights of my travels overseas is getting to eat the local food and checking out the restaurants because, I mean, who doesn't like to have good food? I mean, that's such a basic human kind of, that's what we have in common, right? Every single day we eat three meals a day and you you always want to have good food. Nobody wants to have bad food. So I just felt that we didn't have to single it out as its own thing because I knew that I could easily talk about it the way that I wanted to through travel. And then I didn't also have the pressure to have to talk about it. I think that's what I didn't like. I felt quite constrained by that subtitle that we gave ourselves, so to speak, the strap that we had. Um, So that's when we kind of decided to slowly transition out of calling ourselves a travel and food title. And then, of course, I wanted something else to balance the content. And that's when the lifestyle came in, because I think traveling is also a lifestyle you know um you have you know a kind of a group of people in my generation that really loves to go on holidays whether it's a seek like you know city weekend break or a beach getaway or something really far flung and exotic that takes days to get to I, i really see that within my friend group that this kind of love for traveling becomes a lifestyle and like you know what do you wear when you go on a certain trip and you know what music are you listening to and what kind of designers and interior shops are you visiting and what kind of food are you eating and this is all like it just ties in for me so that's why we became travel and lifestyle by volume okay. five and uh did, was the change successful or i mean could you see any kind of change in uh, sales um i suppose if you measure success by the continuation of growth, 
then mm. yes, um, sure, why not? But I mean, there's so many, there's so many different ways to you know quantify that. So it's difficult for me to say with certainty. Yeah. Okay, but uh, the reception was wasn't bad, right? Yeah, no, it was great actually. Uh, a lot of people said that they love the lifestyle content that we do. As a matter of fact, we've now conducted two reader surveys, and it's astounding how much. Feedback we get on people saying we love, you know, the sto stories that you guys do on style and lifestyle and culture, and we want to see more of that alongside your travel content. So, with nine, you see a very, very big shift actually towards doing more of that content and balancing it out with what we do um, usually with the travel part. Okay, cool. Well, I can't wait to see issue nine <laughs> yeah. with the design as well. Yeah, well, absolutely. We'll touch on that later, I think. Um, so talking about the travel uh, aspect of the magazine, how do you select the different cities in each issue? Um, it's quite a fun process. We come to the table with all the different cities that we're interested in for whatever reason. Um, I have a constant running list actually just on my phone, on, the, on my laptop, where I want to go. And for varied editorial content and pace, we try to pick one major city that's very accessible and familiar. And then we pick another place that's quite more of an exotic destination, whether it's, you know, Yukon and going to a glacial field or going to a safari in Africa. So it's like a little bit more far flung in that sense. Um, and then we'll pick one city that's not as well known. Um, so, you know, if, you, if we have New York, then we'll also have, say, Bristol. So it's that balance. Yeah. Um, is it also like... Um continents or type of place that play into what's selected together? Yeah, I mean, we have been kind of conscious of trying to cover as much ground as possible, which of course can be hard when you're such a small team and you're an independent publication. But I think I think we're getting there. I mean, we are featuring Melbourne in the upcoming issue, which is fantastic because that's the first Australian city that will be I'm covering and then in the issue after that we're going to be going down to South America for the first time as well so we are trying to make sure that we're going further and further afield to give our readers the kind of content they deserve which is you know varied and far-reaching but um, we don't particularly say like right these are the continents that we have to go to it's more about do we have a major city do we have somewhere that's you know uh, brings much more interest from a visual standpoint. Do we have something that we can maybe introduce to our readership that they may have may not have heard of? So that's more of the priorities for us than anything else. Okay, and you, I mean you cover some crazy like different places, and you travel to a lot of them yourselves. Um, we how do you yeah. manage to get content from each city? Yeah, so one thing that Rich and I are very adamant about is that every single place that appears in our magazine, we have flown there and done our research and then we either then send writers and photographers afterwards or they come with us so what we include in our magazine is very very personal content these are things that we love and that we're telling our readers why and how um, so we fly to these places and we usually do a lot of research beforehand because we need to maximize our time on the ground and then we have like a running list of potential features and once we get there we do a very quick recce and then finalize that down to you know three or five or however many features we're doing and then we assign that to the appropriate writer and photographer because now we know the style that each creative is producing and then that's how we generate our content 
So you've been to every single city? I have. I have. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I travel a lot. <laughs> yeah. What a horrible job you have. <laughs> you know, you know, all jokes aside, I love traveling. And this is why, you know, we started a travel magazine. But I have to admit, last year was really, really full on. So yeah. I, I've kind of felt as though I didn't really live in England because I was just <laughs> never here. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously, it has to be part of the magazine to make your like serial work. But is it is it tough traveling and making sure you've covered all these places um, for each issue? It's tough in that it's actually very physically demanding. So, you know, your time zone is all over the place. You're kind of always on the road. You're living out of a suitcase. You're not really eating properly. These things do add up. And that's the biggest lesson that I learned last year is I kind of threw myself into work and I was just all for it, you know, taking every opportunity. And then I think this year I have a much more strategic plan in terms of content, content creation and what I need to do to make sure that each issue is what I need it to be. So it's hard, but at the same time, I can't complain about it because you know, this is what I've always wanted. So, you know, I got to kind of just take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. It's nice to see a travel magazine actually going out themselves Yeah, <laughs> to, to each place they feature because I don't think that happens like at all. Really. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think it does either. Um, although I don't know the inner workings of every travel magazine, mm. but for us, I can really confidently say that Rich and myself will go to every single place that we feature. We have done that yeah. from volume one through to nine. That's really cool. And yeah, if, uh, for the uh, hundreds of thousands of people on your Instagram feeds, they get a nice eyeful of where you've been. Ah, yes. They're kind of traveling with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. So yeah. yeah, I wanted to touch on your like online followings. I think uh, I checked and you have, uh, was it 20, around 20,000 on Twitter? Mm-hmm. 109 or something thousand yep. on Facebook. Yep. And then, I don't know, like 300... <laughs> 330,000 on Instagram. Yeah, we do. Like, that's crazy numbers. Oh, thanks. Uh, it's, yeah, I don't really know how that happened. <laughs> it just kind of did. I think one day we were like, oh, that's nice. We have a healthy following on social media, which is always lovely because then you're interacting with your readers in real time. Mm. Yeah. Um, do you find that um, posting images on, like, say, Instagram uh, kind of helps or kind of defers from the surprise of a new issue coming out? You know, that's a really good question because that's something that I always debate about with Rich because I'm a sharer. I'm very, okay. you know, open to sharing and kind of like, oh, here's a sneak preview. But I think he prefers to keep things a little bit more under wraps. Mm. So I think what ends up on Instagram is pretty much a balance between us two. But I mean, the thing is, is that even if we're sharing pictures of, say, the Maldives, which we were recently at, um, it's just never going to be the same as seeing that again in the magazine with completely different set of photos taking on, you know, taken on a non iPhone device. So I think, I think I, for me personally, I think it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting seeing a magazine coming together. It's something I've talked about before as well. Um, People should like publishers sharing how they create in the magazine while they're doing it is a a great way of kind of building sales. And yes, exactly. I think uh, so too. (laughs) Yeah. With the audience. Yes. Uh, So Rich is, Richest part of the magazine is the design. Yeah. He is our creative director and he also takes um, many of the photographs that appears in their magazine. Okay. Um, How is it working with someone you live with? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, we actually do not officially live together. No? Um, oh, okay. <laughs> we, we, we might as well because of the time that we spend together simply by working together and the hours that we keep. Okay. Um, but we do spend an extraordinary amount of time together. And I think the reason that it works is I have a very simple answer to that. Richard is the most patient chilled laid-back guy you will ever meet in your entire <laughs> life <laughs> so he is very very easy to get along with i can get a little bit intense um and it's just nice because then you have this person that you work with that's just so chilled out and relaxed and it balances you out um and that is uh what you just how you just described him comes across on the pages as well yes um yeah i mean cyril is very uh, I guess restrained. Yes, is a good word mm-hmm. to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do you have any kind of insight? What you must do by now, but how easy it is to create something so refined? It's hard. I mean, we put so much time and effort into every single issue of Serial, and I think that I'm sure every publisher feels this way. You always try to make your next issue better than the one before, whatever that may mean to you. Right? It has to be a progression. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us, I think that progression has been just refining. That's what me and Rich always talk about is refining, distilling. And you look at Serial Volume 1 and you look at Serial Volume 9, to be honest, for me, it's night and day. But maybe that's just because I know what goes on behind the scenes. Mm. It's difficult for me to know what someone that doesn't ha- know what really goes on feels when they see these two different volumes. But we have a very rigid process in place at this point in time you know we have a group of writers and photographers that we regularly work with whose style we understand and we know like right we need this kind of photo and we go to that person and we need this kind of an interview or this kind of a feature and we go to that writer so that is very much in place and you know we mood board every single shoot Richard is usually there to art direct Um, everything is so specifically commissioned because we know what we want the end result to look like yeah so yeah, it is a rigorous process, but it's exhausting and it's it's difficult at times. Um, and it's very frustrating when you spend a lot of time and money trying to create content. It doesn't necessarily come through and then you end up having to cut that story and, you know, but hey, who said making great content was easy, right? So <laughs> I shouldn't complain. <laughs> um, do you have a, like a small team of contributors that you go to uh, regularly or yes. do you... Yeah. Yes, we definitely do at this point in time. I mean, you will see the same names occurring in each volume of Serial. Okay. Yeah, because I noticed on your website you have like a, was it like a team of six or something? Yeah, that's like, just I, the... That's like your core team? Yes, yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, um, going back to the uh, aesthetic of the magazine, mm-hmm. you're releasing a new, uh, well, yeah, an updated version of Serial for the next issue? Yes, um, can you kind of explain the reason behind that and uh, how you've gone about it? Of course. Um, so Rich and I were working on Serial Volume 9 over the Christmas holidays. Um, we just kind of had a very long discussion about what has worked for us so far individually and what hasn't and what we can do this year that could improve on that. So that was the basis of our kind of reasoning for the changes that have now been made to the volume that's about to launch in a month's time. And I think 
in the past two years, I really, really have learned so much and kind of matured and evolved as have my tastes. And I think that's a very natural process that happens to most creative people. But it was very important to us that even as the design is getting updated, it is not straying far from our core identity. And I think we can identify that as we are a very modern, clean title and our layout is quiet and subtle. We, the focus is always on the imagery and the words. And within that constraint, we're like, what can we do? So that's kind of how the new design came to be. Because if you look at it, it is still very clean. It is still very modern. It is still very serial. But there is, I think when I look at our new cover, the first thing that comes to mind is that it feels mature. Um, that's the best way that I can describe it. And yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. And it's just, it also kind of shows developments that have been made to our title as a result of being on the newsstand for you know more than two years at this point so our logo has gotten a little bit bigger and we now actually list some of the things that we talk about inside the magazine whereas before it did not do that at all yeah and um that, yeah i think that was the the main thing i had uh, noticed on the new cover yes exactly um yeah is that a big decision for you guys to make um because obviously you kind of restrained from doing that for so long yeah, I mean, I think we just felt like it was time for a change because why not? You know, that's the upside of being an independent publisher is the agility that you have to kind of change as and when yeah. as you need. Um, so because the only person that has to approve that decision is basically myself and Richard. So it's quite <laughs> a simple procedure. Um, and so we just said, right, we are now in certain places where we are, you know, on shelves with hundreds of other magazines. And I think we felt like sometimes it was getting lost. And we were like, how do we maintain who we are? but then still create a new look that kind of demands more of your attention, if you will, not in an obnoxious way, but just kind of like, all right, here we are. Here's this logo. It's a little bit bigger. It's actually gotten cleaner because we've taken away the lines in between each of the uh, alphabet letters. Yep. And then boom, you can tell straight away when you read the first two lines, kind of what's inside the magazine, you know, content wise, loose structure. And we also have our first very recognizable image i think a lot of our images before were very abstract and nature related mm -hmm. and i love that you know i still love that and you will still get that um inside our magazine but kind of getting more of a i guess accessible image if you will okay yeah that was important to us so we have this first quite lifestyle-led cover but the thing is that well, the thing that may not come across when you first look at this cover is actually that's from a travel story that we did. Um, our next issue has a very personal section to me on the city of Bath, which is where I, you know, where I live and where Serial started. And the angle poise lamp was invented here. So we did a really fun story about the history of the angle poise lamp. You know, this is the kind of stories that we usually do about different cities. And then that image came from a, uh, a shoot that we did about angle poise in Bath. So it is a travel cover, but then it's not. So I kind of liked that. The different layers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, how do you feel um, about like covers? Um, obviously, in the new standard cover has to kind of sell the magazine. But also, you want a cover that is like uh, breathtaking or beautiful to look at. It's kind of the balance between like beauty and function. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, obviously, you're kind of now straying or heading towards the function part a little bit more. Um, how do you find cover design uh, kind of nowadays? Do you, do you like a certain way of making magazine or covers on other titles? On other titles, aside mm. from Serial, you mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what kind of trends do you see on covers that you enjoy? 
Oh my goodness. Uh, I haven't thought about that actually. <laughs> um, you know what? The really funny thing is that the longer I've spent working on serial, I think the more out of touch I've become with other publishers. I, I, I think that's mm -hmm. actually probably quite normal. Am I right to think that? I, um, I don't know. <laughs> I think because you're so busy working on your own project, you have less time to appreciate other projects. I'm sure yeah. everybody, I'm sure everybody's very different. Maybe other publishers spend hours just, um, Feel like being plugged in and knowing exactly what's going on. But for me, it's actually had the opposite of effect where I think I need to brush up on my independent publishing knowledge this year. Um, <laughs> I need to know what's going on because I feel a little bit out of the loop because my head's just been stuck in serial for the last, you know, however many months to a year. Um, so I tend to like book covers. I, um, I don't know if you can see the influence, but the current cover of serial is actually very bookish more so than ever before okay um i collect a lot of old books um if you ever come over to my flat you'll just see just all over the floor like my bookshelf is just like overflowing it's just books are kind of my life and i especially love old and antique um, books and there's an amazing bookshop five minutes from my flat called bath old books nice and easy <laughs> <laughs> and they have the most incredible selection um of just rare vintage finds. They don't even have an inventory. The people that work there don't know what they have. It's a, it's a group of five people that run a cooperative and each have their own specialty. And I've spent hours in there. And I kept coming across this kind of feeling in old book design, you know, that's very text-based, text but still no. classic and clean. And that served as the greatest inspiration for our new design. So if I, if I had to tell you what kind of cover I liked, I think I would have to kind of go that direction. Okay. All right. Um, and uh, this is like the first major redesign, is that right? Yes. Serious yes. Um, some magazines change every issue, and some stay the same. Like Monaco, for example, has stayed very similar for a long time. Yes. Um, do you? I mean, how do you feel personally about magazines changing, kind of frequently or less frequently? Do you find there's like a perfect balance between kind of uh, rejuvenation um, or like uh, consistency? To be perfectly honest, I think I don't really have an opinion. I think it's just kind of up to each individual publisher yeah. to do what feels right for them. And there's no right or wrong. I um, We did a small update in design between four and five, but to be honest, it was not a significant jump. Mm, um, okay. If you yeah, put tweak. the... It was a small tweak, yeah, exactly, and and it was just it was a little bit updated, but it wasn't anything too crazy. Um, whereas this was a significant redesign, both the cover as well as what's inside. Um, yeah. And I mean, my gut tells me that we will have this design for a while. Okay. But uh, but then again, who knows, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, was it uh, so alongside the magazine you've launched? Um, a series of city guides? Yes. Um, where did that idea come from? Um, so that basically happened because we were adamant that inside Serial Magazine, we would try our best to have travel content that wasn't necessarily centered around where you should go to shop and eat and, you know, where hotels to stay. We thought that that was already being done very, very well. So we wanted to focus on another aspect of travel content. So we kind of strayed very far from that. So, you know, we don't really discuss hotels and restaurants and shops so much in the title 
But then I realized this is practical information that you do need. You know, when you're going to a new city, you want to know, hey, where should I stay? What kind of restaurant should I go to? Well, we weren't giving that to our readers in our magazine intentionally, but we weren't. And um, this is a little personal story of mine. I mean, since I was 16, 17, because I mean, I've been traveling my whole life. I've been creating I custom itineraries for my friends to like every city I've been to. You know, I'm always like, right, this is where you need to go. This is where you're going to eat. This is what you're going to eat. This is where you go for lunch. This is where you go for dinner because I'm a very organized OCD person. And it was this constant joke that I should have my own city guides. And, you know, and then I'm kind of like, well, I already have a magazine. So, <laughs> so then that's how Guided came about. And the whole idea was that um, I was sick and tired of people telling me, you know, a hundred places that I should go. Cause realistically, you know, you're in a city for three days. You do not have time to yeah. wade through this ridiculous long list of stuff. And I said, right, I would, I just want to know your top 10. That was the whole concept. What is your top 10, top 20 must see, must do in this city? That's all I want to know. And that's how guided came to be. And that's exactly how it is today. You know, we only pick 15 to 20 places per city. Okay. And how, how does that compete with time and resources uh, against the magazine uh you know it's all right actually because for me creating a city guide is so much more straightforward than creating a magazine the city guide is more curation of your taste so you go to a city you spend time there and you know you know what you like and it's very it becomes very obvious like right this is kind of where i like to eat and this is where i want to stay and you compile this list and then it's just a matter of getting your writer and photographer you know out there and shooting it and writing about it so i find it quite straightforward to be honest okay um and how many how many have you released now so it's kind of a winding path for us because we launched um we launched guided about a year ago as a digital platform so it was a website called guidedbyserial.com i shouldn't say it was because it still exists it is a website called guidedbyserial.com and you would pay a 20 pound annual subscription fee to have access to all the guides that existed and london was available to view for free so you could kind of get an idea of what to get um so it's actually worked very well for us but what happened this past year is we just got so many people asking us to print them and initially I, I thought to myself well you know I kind of like that it's online and I had my reasoning for keeping it that way but I, I decided to give it a go I was like right let's print one and see what happens so we printed London and it sold out within three weeks and I kind of realized maybe I was being stubborn and not wanting to print it. So we did a reprint and that's been selling really well. And then we're going to be releasing three more city guides this year. That's cool. So, um, yeah. Sorry. No, I mean, so then it will just kind of, what, what's going to happen is that we'll, the moment that we decide to print a city guide, that version of it online will become more condensed. And then the other cities will exist as it stands today. Okay. Um, and is this is this a side project something that you do out? Of, I mean, it sounds like it is out of passion, or is it also like a business that like a a successful business as well? Um, Guided has actually done pretty well for us. Uh, I must admit, I didn't know what to expect because it came about as kind of a side project from everything that we were doing with Serial. But the response to it has been very strong so far. So I'm going to see where it takes us, which is why. We're going to print three more cities, three major cities. And um, we're actually going to be launching a brand new website in about a month's time as well, which combines Serial and Guided into one big site. Uh, okay. So we're kind of like streamlining and bringing everything together. So it's just much more easy to 
navigate, I suppose. Mm. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> um, and also, you announced, I think it was the, towards the end of last year, that you were releasing a Korean language um, edition of Serial. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. Um, is, I mean, your background is... I am, I am indeed yeah. Korean, yeah, <laughs> born in Seoul. <laughs> yeah. um, how has that gone down? Oh, it's yeah, been really fun. I um, That came about so out of the blue. We, some, like a publisher got in touch with us and then it just kind of happened. And I think it's nice that it's Korean because I didn't plan for it to be that way. But of course, it's so lovely when you yourself is from that, you know, you're, I am Korean. I was born in Seoul. My family is still there. And then it's so nice to then have this published Korean publisher that I love and respect want to work with you. Um, so that was kind of the highlight of my year, to be honest. Um, and they are publishing one, I mean, straight, I mean, they're publishing everything basically, like current issues with all the back issues and they have a plan in place and they're so wonderful. And we actually have a couple more foreign editions in the works. So fingers crossed. Oh, that sounds nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I was wondering how it would work. Um, obviously, yeah, you create the, the English standard version. How, how is the other edition get created? It's identical to the English version. It just simply gets translated to Korean. And, okay. uh, you know, any other language that you want to do, that's what happens. And because you're working with a publishing partner, they, they do that for you. They translate it, they print it, they circulate it. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's a great partnership to have. And is that printed somewhere other than where the English serial is printed? S- is yeah, so happening? so they, our publishing partner in Korea, they translate it and then they lay it out exactly the same as we do, yeah. really. But um, we go back and forth to make sure that it is as it should be. And um, okay. and then they print it in Korea and they distribute it all over Korea. So that's how it works. Okay. And is there a difference between the, I mean, if you picked up both editions in, in your hands, is it, is it easy to tell they're printed in different places? Or is it um, like the same kind of product? definitely tell that it's printed in different places just because you can't get identical paper you can get very similar okay um but obviously you know you use paper that is local to you you're working with your local printing press so there are discrepancies between the two nothing too crazy or obvious because they were so lovely in that they really really heavily involved us in the what paper should we use what font what korean font should we use you know everything Mm. they yeah they were such a joy to work with so it's different but it's still on brand yeah and how how um, quickly or soon does the Korean edition come out for the new ones? New so editions? they've already published eight, one, two, and about to publish three. Okay. Um, and so what they're doing is publishing our back issues every month this year, all the way until they catch oh. up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know, I know. It's really interesting, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> so that's the way that they've decided to do it, uh, which is fine by me. Um, and uh, they launched eight with us simultaneously and that was the first issue that they launched with us and this is back in december Mm, okay um so yeah no it's it's great (laughs) yeah it's really cool to see a magazine kind of grow and uh get into different markets yeah especially in different languages because it doesn't happen that often no i suppose it doesn't i think that obviously there's lots of magazines that do but um like i said for us it happens so wonderfully randomly and organically and it was just such a smooth process and I because I'm very familiar with Korea I knew of the publisher actually when they were interested in us and they're so they're so great um well thanks for the chat Rosa it's been great to hear more about Serial of course thanks Um, for having me
Do you have a list of magazines that you could recommend to the listeners? Sure. Um, Just like a handful? Yeah, I have quite an interesting range of magazines that I read regularly. (laughs) Perhaps not what people expect. I mean, I religiously read The Economist, Time, um, The New Yorker, uh, Wired. Uh, These are magazines that I'm always reading. Um, But then, of course, I read different magazines for different reasons. I mean, I collect National Geographic like so many people do. I love Monocle because it gives me a great grasp of what's happening kind of all around the world in so many different sectors. Um, Gentlewoman and Fantastic Man are always such great inspirations, not just visually. It has such intelligent content as well. Mm. Um, I recently got turned on to the White Review, and I think I'm kind of obsessed (laughs) <laughs> it's um, it's really amazing. I um yeah, I haven't I need to spend more time with it cuz I just picked up my first one, but I love it. Um and I believe they're London based, which is really exciting. So yeah, as you can see, my taste in magazines are kind of all over the place. <laughs> yeah, but it's nice to hear always nice to hear what publishers are reading themselves. Yeah. Um, I like to know, like, I guess I, I like current events. I like to know what's going on, which is why I'm always reading Time and Economist and New Yorker and such. Um, but of course, there's other magazines that I read for visual inspiration or just certain features that they do. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Thanks again, Rosa, for taking the time. To, of course. Uh, to me. Um, good luck for the year ahead and all the, <laughs> the new stuff you're doing. Thank and, you. Um, yeah, for Volume Nine, um, I'm looking forward to getting that. Yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks so much, Dan. Yeah, bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Mag Heroes, and I hope you enjoyed the show and the chat with Rosa. Um, If you haven't already got cereal in your collection, I'd suggest you go out and get a copy now or wait for the next issue, which is the redesigned issue. To stay up to date with new episodes of Mag Heroes, you can subscribe in iTunes or any podcast application. Just search for Mag Heroes. Episodes are also online at the website magheroes.net and soundcloud.com slash magheroes. You can also sign up to the Mag Heroes newsletter to get episodes sent to your inbox. You can sign up at magheroes.net slash newsletter. Thank you again to Rosa for being on the show and to Newsstand for sponsoring this episode. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you again soon. Bye.